0: But uh, God's going to do some good stuff here tonight. Amen? So, Steve, you want to come and we'll just pray for you and turn it over to you. Awesome. Great. Steve is from uh, Bethel out in Redding, California, Igniting Hope Ministries. They've been traveling for the last several years. Um, Last 10 years? Almost. Almost almost 10 years, yeah. Before that, they were pastoring in Nevada, pastoring in Weaverville, and Yeah, he carries a real heart for um, country churches, for for people in rural settings, and God's going to really minister to us. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Uh, God's going to minister to us tonight through him, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you here. We thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for your ministry uh, in and through Steve and Wendy. God, we pray for her as she's resting. Thank you, Father, for your word here among us tonight. God, we give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Merle.
1: Thank you, Alan and Julie. It's great to be here. You know, for California, and this weather is a little challenging. But we shall overcome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a joy to be here, and, you know, just uh, it's a privilege. On a Wednesday night special meeting. You know, if you're here on Wednesday night, you're either serious about God or somebody serious brought you. <laughs> That's what I think. You're not here to get a check mark after your name. Yes, I did my religious duty. I came to church. I'm a good Christian. Mm-mm. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. There's something more than that. Something more than that. I just had a great sense that tonight uh, is is just a, a special night in the Lord. It just... Uh, have a sense that I just that there's great people in the room, and there's people who are already doing powerful things. There's people in the room that are at the beginning, and there's others who may be seeking. And, and yet, I just I just see over you. I just see the Lord is is uh, is has you on the launching pad, and the scaffolding is falling off. And just to be able to. Invest in what God's doing in your life is an honor. And just love the worship tonight. Anybody else appreciate the worship? Just my The, the presence of the Lord is here. You know, I, I love the presence. And so I want you to just repeat this after me. Say, say, God brought me here tonight because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me tonight. It's supernatural. It's going to increase, and I'll never be the same again. Amen. So I'm going to share a little bit of, I'm going to share a lot of my story tonight and just the message of hope, joy, the renewing of the mind. Um, and it it's really comes from my own experience, and, you know, it's, I preach and teach this not because I didn't know what else to teach on. It's just th- this this actually, I learned this in the fire, and I'm still learning it, and it's made such a big difference in my life. And, and so I say tonight, listen with your heart, don't listen with your mind. Don't worry about what you don't understand. You know, if there's a yeah but, just put that aside. Put yeah buts aside. And, and just, just listen. You know, when guest speakers come, get, one of the purposes of guest speakers is to is to open a door and unlock some things. And you got pastors and leaders, good leaders who will help you sort out how to walk it out. But uh, I, I want I want to go after something tonight, and um, I just, and I just really, uh, yeah, just be praying for me even during the service. And I want to start with a testimony. I love testimonies. We talked about the goodness of God tonight. God is good. the The testimonies are are what is one of the main ways that we keep that belief stirred in our heart. I, I pastored a rural church in the state of Nevada from 1991 to 2001, and it was I not only was the pastor, I decided I was going to become the youth pastor because my children were that age, and I wanted to do something in their lives and Uh, I also had a great open door to the local high school and substitute teaching and coaching. And and so we got a youth group, and God started to move, and young people got saved. We created a youth leadership team, and we had an idea. And our idea was this. We were going to make a list of 10 individuals, the 10 individuals in the high school that we thought were the least likely people in the high school ever to get saved, the top 10 hit list. And we put one name at the top of the list. His name was Caleb. And uh, he, in our opinion, was the least likely person in the whole school who would ever get saved. Seemed like every other word he said was the F word, and it wasn't faith. So we started believing for him, praying for him, loving on him, prophesying, telling him who he was. And guess what? He got saved. Someone say yay. That was about 1999. We leave in 2001, turn the church over to a spiritual son and daughter who passed her from uh, 2001 to 2012. We go back and, and we lay hands on the new senior pastor of the church. Guess what his name is? Caleb. Someone say wow. Wow. The most unlikely guy. Gets saved, gets radically saved. Now he's a great leader. He and his wife Skye, they got five kids, and, and uh, I just you know, think about that. Think about that tonight. You know, there's and, and just what I'm sensing in my spirit. There's unlikely people in this region getting saved. Unlikely people, people who we think they're impossible. It'll never happen. No, that guy, you know, People said that about a guy named Saul. In the New Testament, impossible, he's killing Christians. Boom. Yet a suddenly. And you know what I'm also hearing? You know, there's certain people within the sound of my voice that you've either labeled yourself or other people have labeled you as people who may not have a whole lot of potential. And I want to tell you, there's breakthrough. There's some people in the room who, uh, you know, you know, you, you may believe you're a failure now. You may be thinking that. Other people may have said things like that. But you're going to break out. There's people in the room who are, in 10 years from now, people will say, what happened to you? What happened to you? do want you to turn to your neighbor and say, uh, he might be talking about you. <laughs> I grew up uh, on the the north coast of california near eureka in redwood tree country i did not know the lord uh as a teenager uh i met my wife wendy who was my girlfriend in high school as a senior and she was a a junior um we did not know jesus i graduated high school and i I became a hippie actually had hair volkswagen bus the whole thing hitchhiked all over and you know I, i did this tried that you know things that hippies do and um and then I met Jesus. Someone say yay. And I found out this. There's no high like the most high. No high like the most high. And, and we got saved. And, and oh, there's all, all these hippies are getting saved in, in the mid-70s. And So I started going to Assembly of God Church at that time, north coast of California. My belief system at that time was this, if I went to church and I didn't feel saved, then I didn't think I was saved. And if they gave the altar call to be saved again, I would go up front and get saved again just to make sure. Then the Lord said, Steve, I've got good news for you. You are saved even when you don't feel saved. I said, wow, that's amazing. I thought feelings were the highest indicator of truth there was. By the way, let's just laugh at that. So I'd come to church after hearing that. Still not feel at, at times not feeling saved. Had a bad week, whatever. They give the altar call to be saved, and I wanted to go down there so bad. And the Lord said, Do not go down there, Steve. Stay. Stay, Steve. But Lord, I want to get this spirit of heaviness off me. Well, I gotta go down there to get that heaviness. He says, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm going to teach you how to get that thing off you, and it's not by doing something different. It's by believing something different. It's by believing something. I want you to believe something you're not feeling and something you're not experiencing. It's called faith. Hmm. So that, that, that experience really, you know, even some of the things we're going to teach tonight, um, that, that experience was the beginning point of where to get our beliefs from. He said, I don't want you to get your beliefs out of your past experience and feelings. I want you to get your beliefs out of what I'm saying. So uh, we stayed in that church for 15 years. I was on staff for 13 of those years. It was a season where we lived in Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 basically says where we give our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It was a season of surrendering, of surrendering our heart, our will, our future to the Lord giving God every area of our life, and, and and learning how to do things God's way. You know, as a, as a hippie, we had a lot to surrender. We had a lot to surrender. We, we had to surrender how we did relationship. We had to do relationship God's way. How to treat people, God's way. Uh, how to do integrity, God's way. And you, you know what I found out? I, I've never done something God's way and said, bummer, I wish I wouldn't have done it God's way. God's ways are wonderful. And, and, but I've done some things my way, and, and, and that hasn't worked out so well. So it was so powerful. And it was also a season where we heard what Isaiah heard in Isaiah 6 when he was in the encounter with the Lord. He heard this, he heard the voice Who will go for us? Who will go for us? And I mean, I, there was see, I would run down to the altar. I said, I, I give it all to you, Lord. I, I lay down all my dreams. I lay it on, I want, whatever you need in the future, here am I, send me. And, and it was powerful. And by the way, just say, here, here am I, send me. Say it again. It's so, it's, so, it's still so so good. And, and, and so that was a powerful season of living in Romans 12.1. And then in 1991, Jehovah Sneaky, has anybody ever met Jehovah Sneaky? We were getting ready to pastor. We were going to go out and become the senior leaders of a church. And, and I thought, you know, where would I like to do that? I thought, well, maybe Hawaii. Hawaii, that would be a good place to be a senior leader. I mean, there's people there. There's got to be pastors, leaders. and you know, I thought about it. But then Jehovah Sneaky, he sent us out to the middle of the desert in a place called Round Mountain, Nevada. Let's laugh at that. Central Nevada, four hours from Reno, four hours from Vegas. There's a road that goes through Nevada, Highway 50, uh, east-west. There, it's signs on that road that it says it's the loneliest road in America. We were one hour off of the loneliest road in America. <laughs> 2,500 people in a radius of 40 miles, a gold mining community. But we knew that we knew we were supposed to be there. We knew it. By the way, I, I just I'm, I'm hearing this overnight. The Lord is clarifying assignments tonight. I'm hearing the Lord is actually breaking double-mindedness off of people and clarifying assignments where you know the greater the risk you take is the greater the story story you need from God. And God's given supernatural stories for some illogical things that people are going to do. Some of you've already done some really illogical things. But, but, but there, there's more, and there's a season. And some of you, just in, in simple things, the Lord's going to give you a gift of faith to believe that simple thing is significant. And somebody needs to hear this. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the day of small beginnings, because every great thing has a small beginning. And so we were out there, and he sent us to the desert. And how many of you know God likes to send people to desert to teach them how to repent? And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. The Lord says, I love your heart for Romans 12.1, but if you're going to see transformation and you're going to see something different, you've got to move into Romans 12.2, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation does not come from surrendering your heart. It comes from surrendering your beliefs. If we're going to experience something different, we've got to believe something different. We've got to renew our mind with something different. We've got to renew our mind with something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. Because if we're only rehearsing and renewing our mind with what we're feeling and experiencing, we're going to only perpetuate that. And So I I found out this, that surrendering our beliefs is on one level more challenging than surrendering our heart. My wife, she's in this journey, Wendy, and the Lord says, Wendy, I want you to surrender the belief that you're shy, inadequate, and can't speak well in front of others. (laughs) And she argues with the Lord, but but Lord, that's who I am. And, And she heard this, that's not who you are, that's just who you've become. Because you've come into agreement with the wrong thing. You haven't been agreeing with me. And so surrendering, surrendering what we believe, it was like he sent us to the desert. I'm going to change how you think. He showed us John eight thirty two, where it says the truth will make you free. Every area of our life where we believe truth in, we get free. Every area of our life where we believe lies, we're not free. We get saved because we believe in Jesus. We get free because we believe like Jesus. We get saved when we believe in him, but if we're going to be free and we're going to see transformation, we need to believe like him. And so I began to realize that, wow, the battle is really between lies and truth. And I'm not a devil-focused Christian. I'm a belief-focused Christian. Now, I don't want to be dumb or ignorant about the devil, but I don't talk about the devil very much. But I talk about what I believe all the time. Because if I can believe truth, I get free. And if I'm free, it doesn't sound like the devil's bugging me very much. Just a thought. Even to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you got to believe something to get those pieces on. They don't fly on you automatically. Helmet of salvation. Wow! You got actually something on your head, on your thinking of all the benefits of your salvation. Shield of faith, shield of good beliefs, what's it say, Where you, which you can quench some of the fiery darts? Oh, all. Somebody say all. How many is all? Wow. Wow. All the fiery darts. Hmm. That sounds like that might be a pretty powerful shield. Lies and truth. So the the question is, how do you know if you're believing a lie? Because the nature of deception is that you don't know you're deceived. Once you know you're deceived, you're no longer deceived. (laughs) That's that's taught in deception class 101. (laughs) So I needed an indicator. I was reading a book by a guy named Francis Frangipan called The Three Battlegrounds. Great book. How I many you know you never know when you're reading a book or you're going to go to a meeting when it's going to be the book or the meeting? It was the book for me. And by the way, I want you to say this. This is the meeting for me. Uh, so it's good. And, and he, he basically said this. It changed my life. He said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope, say glisten with hope. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I'm reading that. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I read that, close the book, become instantly discouraged. Discouraged. Because I'm trying to find one area of hope in my life, one area where I really have hope, can't find one. I didn't even know glistening hope existed. Then I pray a dumb prayer. Oh, God, would you please show me every lie that I'm believing? Should not have prayed that. I should have prayed, Lord, show me 10% of the lies I'm believing. Just kind of just give them to me just, you know, slowly. But, I mean, I just got it was like a, a dump truck backed up on me and dumped on me the revelation that almost everything I was believing in my life was a lie and I was pastoring a church. I had great doctrine, but bad beliefs. Good, I mean, good doctrine like Jesus is God, the authority of Scripture, a final word on every area of life, salvation by grace through faith, not of works. How many of you know you can have great doctrine and still be a mess? I was believing lies about God. I was believing lies about me, believing lies about people in my life believing lies about circumstances. It was was a major shift for me. He showed me Romans 15, 13, where it says, Now may the God of hope fill you. Anybody want to get filled by the God of hope? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now wherever there's true hope, there's all joy and there's peace. Hope has two buddies who hang out with him, all joy, not just a trickle of joy, all joy and peace. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say, in believing. And it goes on to say that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you you got so much hope, you come out hope abounder. You, You get the tigger anointing. I used to have the eeyore anointing. Oh, yeah, Christopher Eeyore. You know who Eeyore is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eeyore anointing. Oh, it's rough. Things are only going to get worse. Just keep watching the news, CNN and Fox. Just keep watching that all the time. Yep, don't get your hopes up. You just get disappointed. Yep, you got to be realistic. Realistic people are pessimistic. Uh-huh. No, I, I, the tigger, the abounding, abounding in hope. Whew. I mean, that, that's a lot of hope. You're abounding. Whew. Can't you, you got so much hope, you just kind of you can't even stand still. So now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So if you boil that, that verse down, it basically says this: now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So the moment I believe truth is the moment I get filled by the God of hope. The moment I really believe, I get filled. Now, increased hope is the evidence that the renewing of the mind is working. Increased hope is the evidence that I'm moving from mental ascent to actually believing truth, to believing a truth. So I start believing, zzz, get filled, filled, then it gets to my eyes. Whew, I'm actually seeing the same things differently. Hey, seeing me differently. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. Hey, the people in my life, they're not as bad as I thought they were either. I think God might even be able to use them. (laughs) Hey, I think there's hope for my nation. Hey. This is what we heard, what we believe the Lord told us. He said, Steve and Wendy, your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I want you say that with me. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Say it again. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Game changer. Change my life. My hopelessness about my finances is a bigger problem, anything going on in my finances. Because there's a lie. If I try to, yeah, I'll do everything else, man. I'll work hard. I'll get educated. I'll give. I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do about finances. But if I don't change what I believe that's creating that lack of hope, if I don't change beliefs and I'm just trying to change circumstances, I'm probably going to come back to the same spot. My hopelessness about that relationship is a bigger problem than what's going on in that relationship. My hopelessness about America is a bigger problem than anything going on in America. It's a bigger problem. Now, I believe that. And when we actually start getting that belief, all victim mentalities get broken off of our life. We can't be a high-level influencer if we have victim mindsets. I used to think I was a victim of four things. I was a victim of the devil. The devil wasn't after me so much I could really do something. Uh Aha. Victim of the people in my life. Lord, it's these people you've given me. I'm trying to fly like an eagle, and I'm landlocked with all these prairie chickens. <laughs> Don't laugh so heartily about that one. Eh? <laughs> I used to think I was a victim of my past, my senior leader, Bill Johnson at Bethel Church. He's a fifth-generation pastor's son. And I'm a first-generation, insecure, burnout, paranoid hippie. You think I was a victim of a preordained plan of God that put limits on me. I didn't verbalize that. I didn't actually put that in language. It was a subconscious belief that somehow I just learned sitting in church. Yep, you predestined Billy Graham, Bill Johnson to be level 10 Christians. The best I can hope for is level 3. And if I really work hard, maybe 3.1. No, I say, hey, Steve, i got news for you. You're not a victim of any of those things. You're not a victim of the devil, people, your past, or my preordained plan that's put limits on you. You're just a victim of your own beliefs. Thank you, Lord, for that encouragement. Thank you so much. It always seems to come back to me. You're always trying to tell me I'm more powerful than I think I am. Going after hope. Hope is the confident, joyful expectation that good is coming. Hope is the confident, joyful expectation that good is coming. Hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. I believe faith without hope is weird. If you try to be a faith person without being a hope person, it gets weird. Now, this may be overly simplistic, but this is how I see the difference. Faith says God's going to do it this way. Hope says I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Faith is more specific. Hope is more general. And there's certainly a time to be specific. But if you try, if you only have faith and you're not walking in hope, it just gets weird. Faith says, that's got to happen or it's all over. Hope says, if that doesn't happen, God's got another plan. God's got something better. That door doesn't open, it's all over. Well, no, hope says, if that door doesn't open, then God's got a better door. Hope people believe they have options. Just say, I have a lot of options amazing. Those who believe they have a lot of options have a lot of options. That's the way that thing works. Those who believe they don't have a lot of options don't have a lot of options. I got to get that promotion or it's it's over. I got to marry that person over if I don't. huh Now, hope Romans 4.18, it says, Abraham, talking about Abraham, Abraham against all hope, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations. He put the specific promise that God had given him against all hope, in hope, believed. He put the specific promise into the soil of a general, overall, optimistic attitude about God. You know what I'm hearing tonight? I'm hearing the Holy Spirit is delivering people from pessimism. Somebody in the room is getting delivered from pessimism. It's gonna have you turn to your neighbor and say it might be you, but I won't have you do that. <laughs> I won't have you do that, no. <laughs> yeah, I just um we're learning this. God's overhauling us. And then He he showed us. Now may the God hope fill you with all joy. He started talking to us about joy. I, you know, I, I said, Lord, I don't I don't have the right personality for joy. I'm Scandinavian. I'm part of the frozen chosen. We don't do emotion. We don't do emotion. And, and it was in the 90, early 90s, a phenomenon broke out. Some of you are, are aware of it. Maybe some of you are a part of it. It's called holy laughter. There'd be a meeting like this. Somebody who was not planning on laughing would start laughing Try to stop laughing and couldn't. Sometimes whole sections of people who were not planning on laughing in a meeting would start laughing, try to stop laughing, and could not. Ushers did not know what to do. Sometimes preachers would come up to the pulpit fully intending to open the Bible, read the Bible, and the moment they opened their mouth, laughter would come out. I observed that, and I, I I was troubled and uncomfortable. I said, "God may want us a little happy, but I don't think He wants us that happy." I said, "I'm going to look in the Bible and actually see if joy's in there, because I don't think it's in there that much." Ha <laughs> ha. We then I found out, wow, it's all over. You know, let me just say this. You know, the Bible talks about strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. We demolish arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, the highest level of spiritual warfare is to take every thought captive. You want a PhD in spiritual warfare? Start thinking higher than what you're feeling and experiencing. That's the greatest spiritual warfare. You know, when, when I said, I'm going to believe I'm saved, even though I don't feel saved, that was higher spiritual warfare than me rebuking the spirit of Jezebel for 30 minutes. That was big league stuff. And, and, and you look at Stronghold. Now, Stronghold is a fortified dis- defense. has system in our mind that is defending its right to be there. And whatever our stronghold is, we're constantly looking for proof to confirm what we already believe is true. For instance, if we have a stronghold that nobody likes us, and we believe we're the rejected one, then and that's our stronghold, we will constantly look for evidence to confirm what we already believe is true. And we won't even notice when people accept us and like us. If I've got a stronghold that God's not joyful and he doesn't value joy, I won't even see the verses in the Bible about joy. I won't see them. I'll only see the verses in the Bible where God's angry, he's mad. I love the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming back and boy is he mad. (laughs) So I had a stronghold that joy was not, Important. It was an optional fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) So I started looking. Wow. I found his joys all over. Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your. We sang about it tonight. It's my strength. Here's my theory, that our spiritual load-bearing capacity is in direct proportion to the level of joy in our lives. I'll say that again. My theory is that our spiritual load-bearing capacity is in direct proportion to the level of joy in our lives. And I don't need joy at the end of the battle. I need joy in the middle of the battle. I shrink now. I used to always say, well, I'll be joyful when. Yeah, fill in the blank. I mean, when this thing is resolved, then I'll be joyful. When there's not so much bad news on TV, then I'll be joyful. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Lord said, hey, Steve, I got news for you. If you're not joyful now, the chances of you being joyful in the future is slim. <laughs> Thank you again, Lord. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I found out. I realized this. There's For the rest of my life, there's going to be uncertainties and unresolved situations for the rest of my life. I had you know, destination disease. When this problem's over, I'll be joyful. Then that problem got over, then I noticed something else immediately. Hey, I don't like that either. Well, I think I can't be joyful now either. And so I need joy. You know, by the way, for pretty much everybody in the room, tonight's just not a good night to become radically joyful. Joy in a more convenient season, I will call for you. Ha <laughs> ha. So it's our strength. Samson had a secret to his strength, his Nazarite vow, representing the long hair. God's given, I believe this, God's given a secret to our strength. It's the joy of the Lord. Proverbs 17, says, a merry heart is good like medicine. Dr. God says, Steve, I've got a prescription for you. I want you to laugh heartily three times a day. Why don't we just laugh at that? Ha ha. Science is caught up with the Bible Again and proven that laughter benefits your health. You can just go on an online search, put laughter and health. You, all kinds of studies. I've got a book called Possessing Joy, where we write about that. All kinds of studies have proven the health benefits of laughter. Laughter builds up your immune system to fight off disease. Laughter releases endorphins in your body, which is the natural painkiller. Laughter releases cells in your body that fight off cancer. People with high blood pressure have lowered their high blood pressure through laughter. I heard this, that 10 minutes of hearty laughter is like working out 10 minutes on a rowing machine. Why don't we really laugh at that? Ah. Psalm 1611, what's it say? In his presence is halfness of joy. <laughs> <laughs> full, full oh, fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. Now, we may not be outrageously joyful every time we're in his presence, but if we're never outrageously joyful in his presence, we may not be as much in his presence as we thought we were. uh uh-huh. A chronic lack of joy is a representation of an incomplete God encounter. that was where I was. Some would be crying in church. Oh, yes, amen, God is moving. Some would be laughing in church. I'd be troubled. If they really got it, they wouldn't be laughing. What's it say in Psalm 100? What's it say? Serve the Lord with grumbling. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. No, it says serve the Lord with gladness. Woo! Here's my, again, I got a lot of theories. When we've let go of gladness in a ministry assignment, we've hit the lid of our ministry influence. I'm not just talking about a bad day or a bad week. I'm just talking about chronically letting go of gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Every one of us, there's a reason why right now in our assignment, we shouldn't be glad. None of us have an ideal assignment. All of us have got things around us we don't like. Uh Ha-ha. But gladness. It says in Hebrews 1.9, Jesus was the anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. Jesus, he, he was the most glad being on the planet and my my image of jesus was was a was like a star trek mr spock with no with long hair no emotion peace to you bless you ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha oil of glad oil oil Isaiah 61 talks about the oil of joy. Wow, oil. What happens to a car if it runs out of oil? It's, it seizes up, burns out. It's not going to go very long. Remember the Lord teaching, he says, Steve, I want you to pull out your, your joy dipstick and take a look at how much oil's on there. Pulled it out. It did not even register anything, Steve. We have problem. You don't get some joy in your life, you are not gonna last. And start. I'm starting to feel the effects of not lasting. So yeah, I think I'm starting to get this, Lord. Luke two ten, the angels gonna announce to the shepherds about baby, the purpose of baby Jesus. How many of you think that was an important announcement? How many of you think that the angel didn't just talk off the top of his head? Well, I really don't know what to say. I'll just throw something out here. (laughs) Here's what the angel said. This This is amazing. Listen, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people wow, of all the things that could have been announced. And it was an announcement of great joy. Not a trickle of joy. Great joy. Not just for a few select people with the right personalities or right nationalities. All the people. Great joy. I've got a dog at home. He's a black lab. His name is Duncan. Now. When I come home, Duncan has great joy. Duncan is one of my mentors for joy. When I come home, I mean, he he doesn't. When I come home, he just doesn't walk up to me like this slowly. Look up, say, "I'm joyful on the inside." <laughs> no, I mean he. Uh, he hears me come. He's in the house barking, woof, 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 and, and open the door. He, he sprints out the door. He, he doesn't know where he's going. He just starts sprinting. <laughs> he's sprinting, oh, boop, boop. Then he gets up, there. he wants to jump. How he knows he's not supposed to jump. And he's wagging his tail so hard that I'm concerned he's going to pull a back muscle. Duncan has great joy. I say, "Ah, Lord, that's that's how I want to be. You know, you think about joy. I I read a study that little children laugh on average of 400 times a day. Somebody say, yay. And the same study said adults only laugh 15 times a day. Somebody say, boo, boo. I want to grow up and become childlike. I've tried being dignified as a Christian, and it's way overrated. Oh, yes, amen, brother. You're excited now. But one day, you'll become mature like me. No, thank you. Matthew 18.3 says, unless you're converted and become as a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom. There's many things in kingdom life you can't enter into unless you become childlike. And part of it is actually letting go and and actually letting go and just having fun in the Lord. The the one verse that really gets me, though, is Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is one-third of the kingdom. Somebody go, "Mm, hmm, 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 one-third of the kingdom. Wow. You know, righteousness, if righteousness starts to decline in the church, people say, we got to do something. Righteousness is declining. We can't let that happen. But joy starts to decline in the church. Well, that's not that big of a deal. It's just joy. I'll say this. I believe this, that joy and peace, all three of those things, there's something about all three of them. If we can grab hold of what they're all about, they're three of the main things in the kingdom, and we have to fight for peace and joy just as much as we fight for righteousness. But it's amazing, one-third of the kingdom, but for the first 15 years of my Christian life, I could count on one hand how many messages I heard on joy. Wow, one-third of the kingdom, but nobody's talking, nobody's preaching on it, it seems. I got a theory on that, too. Because under a religious mindset, it's impossible to be joyful. Because under a religious mindset, we, we basically believe God's just about had enough of you. You're so frustrated and disappointed with you, he's about ready to implode. You prayed one hour, you should have prayed two. You fasted for three days, but you had a marshmallow on day two. And now God is angry with you. Some personal experience. Marshmallow looks so good. But that's the mindset. God's angry. He's angry. Because listen to this. Religion can only celebrate and become joyful with perfection. But families celebrate progress. There's no joy in, in performance, religious-based uh Churches, you can't have joy because you, you can never reach perfection. So we don't deserve to be joyful. It's a mindset. But families celebrate progress. You know, we've got seven grandchildren, and I think our oldest, Caden, was learning to walk. And um, and our daughter, Heidi, Caden's mother, would send us texts and say, Caden took a step. And I, Wendy and I, we'd get so joyful. Caden took a step. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Caden took a step. Our grandson, he took a step. And Heidi never texted us, Caden fell down again. Caden fell down 54 times a day. (laughs) He's such a disappointment to us. He's an embarrassment to our church. I mean, embarrassment to our family. We're not sure he's ever going to walk, yeah, we celebrate progress. We get excited. You, you know, you, almost everybody's been there watching a toddler. Just you're there in the room. What do you do? Woo! Yes, you get so excited. Everybody's excited. Yeah, you know, if parents were like many Christian leaders, and their toddlers trying to walk and falling down, here's what the The parent would say, quit trying to walk. You're being presumptuous and prideful. It's clear you do not have the gift of walking. Because if you had the gift of walking, it wouldn't be so hard. Besides, if you had the gift of walking, you'd already be walking. Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles? (laughs) 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 It's clear that in God's infinite wisdom and superior sovereignty, he has predestined you with the gift of crawling. Be content in the state you're in. Don't try for anything more. If God wants you to walk, he'll zap you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's how so much of I live my life. How so many believers live their life. Tried to speak up. In, I tried to speak in front of others, didn't work. I don't have the gift. Ha uh-huh. ha. Tried to pray for somebody, didn't seem to be healed. I must not have the gift. No. I tried to walk in joy, try, and I just didn't do it. I just don't have the gift of joy. That, here, Here's the truth. Those who succeed most also seem to fail most. I used to think I had a good year because I, I never failed, but I didn't do anything. Winston Churchill said this. He said, success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. I probably fail more than most people in the room. I mean, I'm doing a lot of things. I mean, I'm writing. I'm doing things, social media. I'm doing, uh, I, I, I'm traveling. I, I've got a lot. Of, and there's, there's pretty much every day. Ah! Whew. One, one of the books we wrote, I remember, you know, there's a, there was a major word in a section misspelled, you know, in a kind of like a... Uh, A a, a title part of it and uh, on the inside, and you know, some leader came to me and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not sorry because listen, I I, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep at it. The spirit of perfectionism robs so many people from doing things. Don't want to do it till it's perfect. We just break that off tonight in the name of Jesus. We have a we have a culture of joy, a culture of celebrating progress. Then you actually can celebrate. You're trying. You tried to give somebody a word. You tried to share the gospel. You you, you tried to stand against that thing. Yay! Woo! It's that kind of a culture that raises people up in the greatness. And joy is a secret ingredient in that kind of a culture. So celebrating progress, and I was just thinking about joy, and I said, Wow, Lord, I want to increase the joy. Lord, I want to laugh 400 times a day minimum. It's part of my health and well being and longevity plan. Do you have any suggestions for how I can do this? And he said, I heard this. Yes, Steve, do what I do. I said, Lord, what do you do? He showed me Psalm 2 4. It says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The question is, what's God laughing at? Uh Some say he's laughing at us. It may be true, but it's not the context. The context is, is God's laughing at what his enemies are saying and planning. God laughs in heaven. Or he who sits in heaven laughs. And so I, I got an idea. I'm a spiritual experimenter. I've done things I've never, ever heard any other Christian do. By the way, I just released spiritual experimentation over you. There's no progress unless somebody's trying something new. So I got an idea. Say, "Hey, if God's laughing at what his enemies are saying and the devil's my enemy, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to laugh at his lies and see what happens." Wow, well, I found out it's powerful. Found out this that it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty To the pulling down of strongholds. Laughter is a powerful spiritual weapon. Because to laugh, you have to let go of something. I've been married to Wendy for 40 years. We just had our 40th wedding anniversary. Yay. And we love each other, best friends, but we still don't always agree with each other. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. And when we're not agreeing. Especially when I think she's really wrong. I'm not laughing. Because if I laugh, she'll think things are okay. Things are not okay around here. I'm a victim of you. My joy depends on your behavior. For me to walk in biblical joy, you need to do what I think you should be doing. Ha uh-huh. ha. But how many know when I finally laugh, ha-ha, Woohoo! how many know I let go of that thing? Frustration, anger, manipulation, whatever it is. You can't hold on to those and laugh at the same time. And I know there's times where brave communication, and I know there's times where we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. I pastor, sometimes all you do is cry with people. But the body of Christ has been joy deficient. And the Lord was giving me a secret, and I'm going to share the secret with you. Because lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking, but they're laughable when you bring them out to the light of language and words. Oh, yes, amen. If I don't feel saved, it means I'm not saved. Oh, yes, that feels so true. It's got to be true. Oh, yes. But then I put language to it. My salvation is dependent upon my feelings. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. That's laughable. Ha, ha. Whew. One of the greatest ways to start dismantling strongholds in our thinking is to laugh at them. It starts the process of disempowering lies. And what I want to do is I want to do an experiment with you tonight. And I'm going to share with you some of the devil's all-time favorite lies. And after I share, I would like you to do an experiment and laugh. And I want you to remember there's no health benefits for laughing on the inside. Some might say, well, you know, I'm not planning on laughing because I'm an authentic person, and if I laugh, it will feel fake. (laughs) I say this, your laughter's not fake, it's just rusty. It's like a muscle that's atrophied, lack of use. You don't think you have the muscle, you actually do. If you go to the gym and try to lift up 300 pounds, you can't do it. You don't say this is so fake. <laughs> you say I need to start out at a lower weight. So some of you are just going to laugh at like a 300 pound level. Ha <laughs> ha! Woohoo! Others of you, you're just all you're going to get out is a ha. I want you to celebrate your ha. Just celebrate it. It's going somewhere. Some lies will be easy to laugh at. Ha, ha, ha. Others are deeper lies. Your laughter will be like this. Ha, hoo, ha, 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 Because you're actually getting delivered. You guys ready? All right. Let's just start with a, a few, of just some of his favorite lies. Let's laugh at this. God is not going to provide for your needs in the future. (laughs) Let's give an extra laugh on that one. (laughs) Because his ability to provide for your needs is dependent on how the economy is doing. (laughs) How about this one? You are an insignificant person in the body of Christ. Ha <laughs> ha. In key decisions that you will need to make in the future, you will not know what to do. Ha <laughs> ha. If you make the wrong decision, God won't know what to do. Ha ha. Ha ha. What's this region called here? Lancaster? Uh, The the Lancaster region is an impossible region for worldwide revival to break out from. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Matter of fact, God doesn't even like this region.
0: (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
1: Here's a lie I camped in for about a decade. There is something uniquely wrong with you. Ha ha. Oh, but it feels so true. It feels so true. There's something uniquely wrong with me. I feel so true. It's got to be true if it feels that true. Let's laugh at that. If something feels really, really true, it means it is true. ha. <laughs> Here's a good one. You are a failure. <laughs> I had someone who laughed at that lie in a meeting about a year ago. They said when they laughed at that lie, they actually got delivered because they they actually believed they were a failure. I mean, we may may have failed, but we're not a failure. How can you be a failure in Christ? You're more than a conqueror. Here's a good one. God loves you, but he does not like you. (laughs) Let's give an extra laugh on that one. He loves you. doesn't like you. Ha, here's a good one. People do not like you. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. The supernatural flows through other people powerfully, but not much through you. Ha, ha. And then one of the devil's all time favorite lies laughter in the church is from the devil. It's good to let go of some things. You know what the Lord told me? He said, You can't trust any conclusion in your life that doesn't have hope attached to it. You can't trust any conclusion in your life, Steve, that doesn't have hope attached to it. There's a lie connected to that area. And if you ask me what the lie is that's fueling that lack of hope, I'll tell you. That's the problem. And then you're actually able to bring the oil of gladness in with a little laughter. It takes the heaviness off. I'm a mess. Got so many bad beliefs. You actually can have fun with it. You actually have some fun in breaking. Yeah, I wrote a book called Let's Just Laugh at That. I got a, I got a book here. Uh, Let's Just Laugh at That for kids. It's 20 Lies that Children Are Tempted to Believe, four pages per lie. You know, actually, I'm tempted to believe these lies. You know, like the first lie in the book, let's just laugh at it. It's not fair. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. It's got five laughter weapons. The giggle grenade. The ha, ha, hammer. The laugh machine gun. Laughter boots. And the laughter blaster. I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to wait. with My grandkids, and I don't want to wait. I didn't stop. I didn't start going after lies until I was 35 years old. I, I, just, I didn't even know they were lies. I thought they were truth. Thought my past experience was true. Thought my feelings were true. And the Lord did a work. He says, I'm going to break that stuff off of you. And he's given some great tools. Anybody got a, a child ages 6 through 10, you do. Yay! That's a great book. <laughs> I know. Excited to get it. Let's begin to wrap this up. You guys, good out there? A couple things that I want to just mention just about our ministry, and then I want to close with a story tonight. Um. My wife, Wendy, and I have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. Our mandate is to ignite hope. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's only hopeless people. Once people get true hope, circumstances cannot stay the same. Hope is an unstoppable force. If something's going to change, somebody's hoping. Somebody's becoming unreasonably optimistic. God loves to partner with people who are unreasonably optimistic. Can you imagine David going after Goliath today? Hey, David, before we go after Goliath, we just, we're looking on our phones, and we want to let you know what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you're being unreasonably optimistic. You shouldn't get your hopes up so much. You should just go back to the fields and settle for life as it is. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Hey, Ezekiel, before you prophesy to those dry bones, we want to let you know what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you must not know how dry those bones really are. Because if you did, you wouldn't be so optimistic. The experts are saying what's going to happen when you prophesy to those bones is actually nothing's going to happen. Ha uh-huh. ha. I like the back row back there, by the way. There's some powerhouse men back there. Who are those guys? Whoo! If something's going to change, somebody has to hope. Somebody has to hope. Somebody's got to break out of the pack. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't even be conformed to the thinking around you in the church. Break out of the pack. Caleb did. Joshua did. 10 against ten spies, they, they broke out of the pack. They said we are well able to overcome it. Our hope level determines our influence level. After love, I believe hope is the most powerful leadership quality there is. He has the most hope, has the most influence. And and we're just committed to resources. We're we're doing a um, 40-day negativity fast, our ministry, Igniting Hope Ministries. We do it every year for Lent. Starts February 14th. We're using this book. We've got uh, some of these on the table, Igniting Faith in 40 Days. It's a 40-day journal. The power of hope, declarations, and negativity fast. We have thousands of people who do it with us every year. We have a free level where you, you, you read the book and you get a daily email. We got a thirty-five dollar level where you get a daily podcast from me. You get um, you get some of our resources, and and it's a, it's a powerful thing. And so, that is available. We've got a sign-up list on the table. If you want more of what's happening in our ministry. We send out podcasts. I do an Igniting Hope podcast every week. I do a video hope injection every day on Igniting Hope Instagram and Igniting Hope Facebook, a 60-second video hope injection. So that's on Instagram. Just if you want to follow us there, Um, I want to give this to you, Igniting Faith in 40 Days. And then just two other quick things that we have on the table. My wife wrote a book called Victorious Emotions. She just finished that. It's a great book. She's got a journal with it. It's, uh, it's been out for about six, seven months, and it, we've just got some great testimonies on that. I've got a declaration clicker. I didn't talk about declarations. You can't change your life without changing how you talk. You want to change your life, you've got to not only think, but you have to speak higher than what you're experiencing. And I I tell people this. You want to do an experiment. Do an experiment for um, a month of making 100 declarations a day and see what happens. You know, like this. um, Everywhere I go, revival breaks out. I lay hands on the sick, and they recover. My prayers for America are working. This is going to be the best year of my life. My favor is increasing. My influence is increasing. My intimacy with the Lord is increasing. A million people will be in heaven because of my life. I make disciples. I have an abundance for every good work. I have an abundance of health, energy, finances, favor, wisdom, power, love, protection for every good work. You know, you do something like that. You can't change your life without changing how you talk. And one of the greatest revelations we'll get is to put truth in our mouth. It says, Let the weak say I am strong. So that's that's available. These things are spiritually flammable. Guy in the beanie hat, second in. Yeah, come on. Yay. What's your name? Colton. Colton, here's what I hear over you. You're a leader of leaders. The whole message tonight on joy and and belief systems, I see the Holy Spirit just powerfully putting that in you. And I just see you going places you never thought you would go, doing things you never thought you would do, because God loves you, and he's got a big plan for your life. Also on the table, I work with Global Legacy, which is the part of Bethel that uh, leaders connect to. And we have some great online curriculum. We're starting in February with a class called Kingdom Culture. What's happening at Bethel is a culture. It's a culture of honor, the culture of goodness of God, the culture uh, of, of releasing the supernatural, the culture of prophetic, calling out the golden people. And it's a four-month class that's there. I'm doing a class on... Uh, Thriving church leadership, a four month class as well. So there's information on the back. Let me just close with this testimony. Uh, I had an intern a few years ago. His name's Levi. And, and Levi loves to share the gospel with people. But he noticed if someone would say they're an atheist, he would move into non victorious belief systems and believe his feelings and past experience that he was ineffective in ministering to atheists. Let's laugh at that, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. So Levi decided to believe something different. By the way, that's one of the greatest revelations we can get, is that we can decide to believe something different, that we can think on purpose. And he decided to believe this, that if someone would say they're an atheist, it was an exciting moment, that God always showed up when he was around an atheist. So someone would say they're an atheist. He would say, oh, really? That's so exciting. God always shows up when I'm around an atheist. (laughs) So he's in the U.K. a few years ago. He sees a group of about 10 to 15 teenagers. He says something like this. Hi, I'm from America. I've got some really good news. Jesus Christ loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. There's a girl who's obviously the leader of the group. She steps forward. She says this. I'm an atheist. Yep, let's laugh at that. (laughs) And Levi says, oh, really? That's so exciting because God always shows up when I'm around an atheist. So he's talking to them for a while. He asked them, any of you want to feel God? They said, yes. He said, put your hands out in front of you like this and say, Holy Spirit, come. Guess what Holy Spirit did? He came. You give Holy Spirit an inch, he takes a mile. Atheist girls got tears coming down her eyes. She and the whole group prayed to receive Jesus. Another group of teenagers got led to the Lord that day in the park, and I talked to a pastor two months after that day, and he said that day in the park rocked their school. All because somebody said, I'm going to believe something different. I'm not going to believe my feelings. I'm not going to believe my past. I'm going to believe what God says. And I'll tell you this. If God wanted us to think small for our lives, he did a bad job. I mean, there's so many verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a lot of things. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. Well, that's also a lot of things. All things are possible to him who believes. Jesus said, the the works that I do, you will do, and greater works will you do because I go to the Father. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. He didn't do a good job if he wanted us to think small. And I just say tonight over you that there's no person here by accident. Every person the Lord brought here. And he brought you here because there's gonna, something's going to get in your life. There's something already there. But I just believe tonight some, there's a seed of hope that's going to grow so strong. It's going to actually obliterate strongholds. There's people in the room. You're gonna, you're, you're, something's going to happen. I've had meetings where people have been in meetings like this, and they said they were never the same again. And there's, there's going to be some people in this room, you will never be the same again. Something's going to get it. It's going to be like a light bulb is going off. It's like a door is opened into a whole new dimension. You're, you're actually, you're, you're like me. I, said, I realized I've been lied to. I used to think I was who my past was. I used to think I was who other people said I was. And that recording, that self-talk tape that says you're a failure, there's something wrong with you. You're never going to change. Things are only going get worse. That's not the truth. It's a lie. And when I made my hopelessness a bigger enemy to me than the devil, and I started going after it and doing the laughter piece, it's it, it, radical change. E- pretty much everything we're experiencing now in our life started in the 90s when we started thinking and talking higher than what we were experiencing. What we're experiencing now, we said then, and it seemed ridiculous then. And God has put no limits on your life. There's not a limit on your life. God's an equal opportunity, God, for individuals, churches, regions. Our past can't stop us. The only thing that can is current beliefs. Nobody's past can stop anybody in the room, but current beliefs can. So you guys receive the word tonight? Yep. Thank you, Lord. Yay. Woo! Yes. Yeah, if you receive it, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to affect nations powerfully. I'm a key player in worldwide revival. I've got what it takes. And I'll never be the same again. Amen. Give God thanks. Give him praise. Just thank him. Yes, Lord. You're so mighty. Yes, Lord. Woo! Somebody say freedom. Say breakthrough. Say no limits. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor
2: Allen. Hey, let's thank God for Steve again here tonight. Yeah. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to have a time of ministry here. I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come. Uh, we're going to be here at the front. Steve, if you'd like to also join us in praying for people. Is that, yeah. Heavenly uh, Prayer ministers, would you come be at the front here? Heavenly Father, yeah, we just, we just, uh Wow you have you have just begun to do work in so many of our lives here tonight and lord i, I don't think there's a single person here that's not not touched and changed in some way and lord lord uh, in every in every piece, in every part of our lives, that you you've just begun to bring adjustment, Lord. We we just we just bless and seal that that change tonight in the name of Jesus. That divine divine adjustment and divine change that you have already begun to to make in our lives, Lord. We we bless that and we speak that it's gonna go forward to completion. That change, that new mindset, that new way of thinking. Uh, that realignment that's in our, in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we bless that. And we, we call it forth to, to completion in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We bless Steve. We bless Wendy tonight. We bless their ministry, Lord. And, and we thank you for them. We thank you for this, this powerful, life-changing word that, that we've heard here tonight. And, Lord, would you, would you just uh, finish it, wrap it up in our lives in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're we're just going to be here for a time of ministry tonight. Uh, uh, some of the uh, prayer, uh, worship team are already coming. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to uh, have a time of ministry here. I know some of you have young children, so if you need to go, you can go. But I'd just like to invite you forward. Just uh, come on forward. Uh, we're going to spend some time in, in God's presence here tonight and, and see what he what he need, he wants to do in, in each of our lives. So, yeah. Uh, Come, Holy Spirit, would you uh, come forward uh, tonight and and, uh, receive what God has?